Jesus explained in Matthew chapter 5 that unless your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the righteousness of the Pharisees, you can in no way enter into the kingdom of God. That means that there was something that the scribes was doing as well as the Pharisees that was good that pertains to righteousness, but it wasn't enough. So today we're gonna look at and examine the righteousness of the Pharisees. Make sure you stay with us. You were listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. He is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and founder of Good Treasure Ministries. He is the author of the books, Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series, The Adventures of Rai Rai. For more information, visit the website at dariusgood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. And now, here's your Bible teacher, Darius Good. Welcome to the Good Treasure Podcast Show. My name is Darius Good, and thank you for joining us on today. When you get a chance, visit the website at dariusgood.com. There you find information regarding the podcast show, as well as the books that I've written. I have seven books that are currently available. I have a children's book series that I created and developed. It's called The Adventures of Rai Rai. It's based on my youngest daughter, Riley. And these are a series of stories told through the eyes of a toddler. Uh, We currently have four books that are available. If you visit the website, DariusGood.com, you can learn more about that book series. Or you can visit the website, TheAdventuresOfRaiRai.com. I also have a comic book that I created on the story of David. It's called David, Man of War. That's on the website, as well as two other books that I've written, Unlocking Godly Wisdom, as well as the book, The Fear of the Lord. Both of those books I encourage you to pick up today. Visit the website to learn more about those books. Once again, that's DariusGood.com. Today, we're going to get into episode 10. It's titled, The Righteousness of the Scribes. We've been doing this series on righteousness. And if you look at uh, the book of Corinthians, there's a a, uh, statement that Paul made to the church of Corinth. We said they should have reached a point that they should be teachers, but instead they now require milk. They have to be retaught things that they should be walking in, things that they should have an understanding of. In that passage of scripture, Paul referred to righteousness as being the the meat. It's the meat. Paul said, there's things I want to teach you, things I want to explain to you, but I'm not able to because you're not able to digest it. Righteousness is such a meaty topic. And as we go through the scriptures, you see uh, different things that are associated with righteousness. So it's not just being in right standing with God. Uh, We hear that often taught, the relationship between man and God. So righteousness is uh, being in right standing, but righteousness also deals with paths. So in Psalms, Psalms 21, It says that he leads us in righteousness, the paths of righteousness for his sake. This deals with the name of God, deals with his leading us. This deals with his lordship. It deals with Jesus as the great shepherd. And so there's a path that all of us are, that has been uh, uh, created for us to walk. We know that the word is a lamp unto our feet. 
It's a light unto our path. So the word of God is to come to all men, man and women, and it leads us in the path that we are supposed to be on according to the will of God. So God will send his word to us and all of our paths are different. Some of our paths will cross and at times we may journey on a path together, but these paths have been uh, created by God and they're for his plan and for his purpose. And so this is why I, I say to people when they say, what is my purpose for being in the earth? Why did God create me? It's for righteousness. And so it starts with right standing. It starts with our relationship with Jesus Christ. It starts and begins with salvation. But often that's where the teaching stops. And so it doesn't start and stop with Jesus. Now it's the pathway. It's walking out this plan and purpose. And we quote this often as God said um, to Jeremiah, uh, before you were formed in your mother's womb, before you were created, I had a plan, a plan of peace, a plan of success. There is something that God foresaw for everyone that is living and breathing on this planet. There's a path of success. The scripture refers to it as prosperity. But we've often taught and associated prosperity with extreme wealth. But that word prosperity means to be on the right path, that there's a path for our lives, one of success. That means that it's a path that is full of uh, joy, it's full of peace. Um, These are the things that are associated with the kingdom of God. We know the, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So if I'm on this path, I should be experiencing joy as well as peace. Now, we understand there's some things associated both with joy and peace that I have to come into understanding regarding. I'm not saying the path is going to be easy if you're on the right path. Um, If you look through the scriptures, there's no one in the Bible that was on the path of righteousness that the journey was easy. We look at the life of David, the life of Noah. Uh, the life of Moses. They were on God's path, predetermined, pre-planned by God. They found this path. They walked out this journey, but was it easy? No, it was not. So the path of righteousness brings us into the understanding of who God is. It should bring us to a place of humility where I have humbled myself. I have emptied myself out. There's no pride. Um, there's, There's nothing... Um, that that causes me to feel I am wise in my own eyes. I've come to the place and the conclusion of understanding that I need God. So that's a place of humility. I've humbled myself under the mighty hand of God. This is the starting place of righteousness. And so as we've been looking at these passages of scripture for the last several weeks, Um, As we've been examining this topic of righteousness, Jesus made a very interesting statement that we've been looking at here in the book of Matthew. And so in Matthew chapter five, Jesus made the statement that except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, then in no way can we enter into the kingdom of God. As I mentioned, righteousness is a meaty topic, so it's going to take a lot of layers for us to 
grasp the fullness of the righteousness of God. But last week we looked at the righteousness of the scribes. I recommend that you go back, listen to episode number nine. But today we want to focus on the righteousness of the Pharisees. Jesus said that there's, there's two groups, the scribes and the Pharisees, that righteousness must exceed, which means to go beyond, which would mean that there's something that the Pharisees are doing that we must have an understanding of. We just can't throw out the Pharisees and things that they were engaged in, things that they believed in. There is a portion of what they believed and walked in that is associated with righteousness. So when you talk about the definition of righteousness, it has to include what the scribes were doing, has to include what the Pharisees were doing. But the two of these together, you take these two and add them together, they still don't measure up to God's standard, according to Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. So who are the Pharisees? Let's begin with a definition of who they were. Um, I'm going to read a passage from uh, hellerhigh.org, H-E-L-L-E-R-H-I-G-H.org. Um, there was an article that they wrote called The Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, and the Zealots. And they describe all these different groups that were active during the time of Jesus. And so they describe the Pharisees as rabbis who believe the temple was unnecessary and Torah was the most important aspect of Jewish life. They worshiped in synagogues, they interpreted the Torah, and most notably believed in the importance of oral law. And that's important because that's where they and the Sadducees disagreed. This group believed that God gave us instructions orally at Mount Sinai, and those laws were just as important as the laws written in the Torah. The Pharisees were the lower class citizens and lived in the worst conditions in Jerusalem. And this is where the Sadducees were the upper class. It says, finally, the Pharisees didn't really like living under Roman rule. The Pharisees, Judaism, is what we practice today as we can't make sacrifices at the temple and instead we worship in synagogues. So I think that's a clear definition, kind of paints a picture of who the Pharisees are. Um, I do want to point out some things in the scriptures regarding the Pharisees. The Pharisees are often taught in the Christian faith as being the enemies of Jesus. And we derive that conclusion because oftentimes the Pharisees would come, they would tempt Jesus. Um, there was an effort to have him arrested uh, for things that he was teaching. And so we've kind of just labeled the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, or some of these groups as simply being you know, enemies of Jesus Christ. That's not a very accurate statement. And if you read through the scriptures, you'll find that Jesus had a lot of contact and he had relationships with the Pharisees. And so there was a group that would come to oppose Jesus. But if we read the stories in context, a lot of those uh, dealings and interactions was a result of Jesus being there with other Pharisees. So I'm going to read you one passage. This is Luke chapter 7 at verse 36. It says, one of the Pharisees desired him, meaning Jesus, 
that he would eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet, began uh, behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with her hair or the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. So if you go through the scripture, you'll find a lot of contact between Jesus and the Pharisees. But I did want to point out that all all of them were not enemies of Jesus. I want to point out this passage in Acts chapter five. There was a man by the name of Gamaliel. who was a part of the council of the Pharisees. The scripture refers to him as a doctor of the law. He had in reputation among all the people. And this is in Acts chapter 5, verse 34. And it talks about the conversation in which uh, he begins to name other men uh, that during the time of Jesus that also walked the earth. And he thought it was important that they refrained uh, from these men and left them alone. It's verse 38. For if this counsel or this work be of men, it will come to naught. They're referring to the disciples and the work that they were doing as disciples of Jesus Christ. And he says, but if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. And so here we have a Pharisee that's looking at the works of Jesus, the works of the disciples, and he's giving very profound insight and wisdom and how the Pharisees should proceed in their dealings with the disciples. And so um, there's other passages we could probably look at. I don't want to spend a lot of time uh, painting this picture. I do want to make this last statement, though, in regards to the Pharisees. We understand that Paul was a Pharisee. He described himself as a Pharisee of Pharisees, meaning he was part of one of the strictest sect of Pharisees. He was the son of a Pharisee. And so he grew up a part of this religious group. He had this mindset regarding the Torah, uh, regarding the, the laws of God. He did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And of course, we know Paul's experience on the road to Damascus as he encounters Jesus Christ. And so I want to leave you with this in your mind. The majority of the New Testament Bible was written by a Pharisee. And so I don't just read through the scriptures and then label groups as one or the other. We got to read it with some level of maturity um, of understanding the backgrounds. And it, it really helps paint a better understanding of what Jesus is explaining. When you understand what the Pharisees believed versus what Jesus was explaining, Jesus never contradicted the law of Moses. He never did. It's important we understand that. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees were experts in the law. But when they would debate Jesus, Jesus was the law. He was the, the, the writer of the law, the originator of the law. So you can't out-argue the one that created the law. So whenever they had these back and forth and these disputes, Jesus would always win the argument because he understood the law of God. And just to help you understand some of these conversations, some laws outweigh other laws. So the law of the preservation of life, 
Um, I can't allow a man to starve because it's the Sabbath day. So even though I break the Sabbath by uh, creating a fire or burning a fire, um, if a person's life uh, reached a point of starvation, then God required that life, the preservation of life, is the highest law. Love thy, na- na- love thy neighbor as thyself. These are the highest laws. And Jesus explained that in conversation with the Pharisees. And so there was times where the, when the law of Moses was being broken. And these were the conversations that Jesus and the Pharisees would have. So if you go back and read through the scriptures, I think it's important to look through that lens of understanding that these were disputes regarding the law. It would be no different than two lawyers arguing or judges uh, disagreeing over uh, the verdicts of cases. And they're discussing the law from one angle. The other one's making their argument from this angle. And there's some disagreements. But we see that Jesus was able to explain the law. And that's what our takeaway should be as we're reading through these passages. Not that God threw out the law of Moses. Because Jesus was very clear in the book of Matthew chapter 5. That he did not come to do away with the law, but he came to fulfill the law of Moses. He is the fulfillment of the law. He is that lamb that was unblemished, that was sinless, that became sin for you and I. So let's deal with the righteousness of the Pharisees. Um, These men were given to prayer. They were given to fasting and they were given to the rituals as far as the festivals. So keeping of the Sabbath, keeping of the holy weeks, keeping of the holy months, keeping of the holy years, all of this was very important as in their understanding of righteousness and presenting themselves righteous before God. Another very important part of their belief system was the giving of alms. So as they were given to alms, or given to the poor, they had a mindset of pity and a mindset of compassion for those that did not have. And so these are the mindsets that God was pleased with. Now, as you look at the stories between Jesus and the Pharisees, Jesus will often call them out, not on the behavior, but on the heart issue. Are you, why are you giving? Are you giving because you want to be seen? Are you giving because you want to be praised of men? Are you praying in public because you want to be praised of men for how deep and how spiritual you are? Jesus always dealt with the heart, not with the behavior. So the behavior was good. It's a matter of getting the heart in line with the the conduct and actions. So this is the part that I I want to highlight in regards to the Pharisees. Because even in our Christian faith, Many have taught the concept of righteousness and they've limited to this. We need to pray. We need to be people of prayer. And we can go right through those scriptures. Uh, The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. The scripture says, pray without ceasing. ceasing. Um, Jesus talked about my house shall be a house of prayer. So we can go through a bunch of scriptures that highlights the importance of prayer. The disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. They understood Jewish prayer, but they understood that Jesus was doing something very different than what they were doing. So then Jesus taught them the Lord's uh, prayer. 
All this is very, very important in our walk with God. You can't dismiss prayer. You can't have a lifestyle of righteousness without prayer. So praying is critical to our walk with God. Fasting, important to our walk with God. We know the story of the disciples. They could not cast out that demon. They asked Jesus why. Jesus said to them, this kind comes out by prayer and fasting. Fasting is important. Jesus did not do away with fasting. So there's times in our walk with God that we are called to come into fast. Fasting means turning over the plate, uh, denying myself, um, but it doesn't just include food. Um, there are many types of fast, and I'm not talking about the Daniel's fast and those other fasts that pertains to food, but you can fast uh, many different things. We encourage people to fast social media or fast uh, entertainment. There are times when I need to hear from the Lord, and I found that uh, being engaged in entertainment and television and movies and all these different things, there's too many voices on. So I shut everything off. I shut off the music. I shut off uh, the television shows so that I can hear from the Lord. And I might require three or four or five days of, of just getting away and locking myself in to hear the Lord. So fasting is critical in our walk with God. Giving to the poor, very important. Giving alms, very important. The book of James explains that we can't look down on others. We can't view them as less than. He explained that this is a sin. Let's look at this passage in James chapter 2, where he talks about the royal law. So as I said, the laws are not done away with. What Jesus did was took the 613 laws that the Pharisees live by, that the people of Israel live by, and summed them up. He said, they will all be fulfilled if we maintain two laws, to love God with all thy heart, mind, soul, my strength. And then he said, to love your neighbor as yourself. These two laws are equal to one another. So that means you can't say you love God and you don't love people. Those laws are equal to each other. So you end up breaking the laws of God when you have issues with people, when you hold offense against people, when you walk in unforgiveness and you walk in bitterness. All of these are breaking the law of God. James referred to this as the royal law. I'm going to read James chapter two, verse eight. If you fulfill the royal law, according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You do well. Verse nine. But if you have respect to persons, you commit a sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. Let me see if I, uh, I'm going to read this from a different translation. The ESV version says, but if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. The NLT version, if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. It's important we understand that. We can't treat those of high esteem with high esteem and then treat those that are low at a point in their life, maybe down in the gutter, broken. We can't treat them as less than. We have to treat them with the same esteem as we treat those that we view in high esteem. 
It's a sin against God. It's a sin against God's law. So it's important we understand this as people of the faith. This is New Testament teachings. And so we have the Pharisees that were given to works, people in need, those that were hungry, let's feed them. Those that need to be clothed, let's clothe them. And people can be given to good works. And this is what we see in our teachings, our New Testament teachings, lifestyle of prayer and a lifestyle given to fasting. And then we are heavy on good works, taking care of those that are in need, those that are less than, those that have hit rough uh, points in their life or have hit rock bottom. We as the church need to be there to lift them up and to pick them up. But Jesus said, this is only one third. Except your righteousness exceed the Pharisees and the scribes. It still doesn't equal what God had in mind for the standard of righteousness. As we covered on last week, the scribes were given to understanding God's law, understanding the scriptures. They were teachers of the law. So these are men and women that can go through the scriptures. I'm talking about modern time. The, the, the Sadducees would be those of us that can explain the scriptures, that know the, the, the word of God, and are apt to teach it to those that are, need to be taught. But guess what? That still doesn't measure up to the standard that's required set by Jesus Christ. But it's all needed. You cannot choose one over the other. We need all three parts. The Pharisees, the scribes, and on next week, we're going to look at the third part that Jesus explains is a part of righteousness. Thank you for joining us. You have been listening to Good Treasure Podcast Show with your Bible teacher, Darius Good. This was a Good Treasure Ministries production. Darius is the senior pastor of Bible Gospel Center and author of the books Unlocking Godly Wisdom, Fear of the Lord, David, Man of War, and the children's book series, The Adventures of Rai Rai. To learn more about these books or to listen to other episodes of our podcast show, visit our website today at DariusGood.com. For more information regarding the church, visit the church's website at bgc.family. We pray that today's episode has brought revelation and enlightenment. Please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast show. And until next time, may God open unto you his good treasure. Be blessed. Thank you.